Well, we still haven't heard anything on Utah quarterback Cam Rising, but if he doesn't return soon, hard to see the Utes reaching the Pac-12 championship game, which will open the door for everybody else. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I am your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon to be mostly team free. But until then, loaded and beloved Conference of Champions, like, comment, subscribe. Rate review wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college or enter promo code LockedOnCollege for a free water bottle with any purchase. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. JT Wisterstill of the Locked On Utes podcast is here with me today. We've got a couple more thoughts on the Washington State, Oregon State matter. And uh, yeah, the teams at the bottom of the conference this year, they might be struggling big time because of how good this league is. But uh, JT, the question on a lot of people's minds mine included, is Cam Rising. Is he going to play this week against UCLA? I've been down on the Bruins since the summer. I think they're a 7-5, and 8-4 and four team. 7-5 and five was my prediction coming into this season. This is a game I always thought they would lose. But boy, it gets a lot, a lot closer if Cam Rising is not there because I thought he would, be, he would certainly be back by now. But what do we know? Not a lot, unfortunately, because we're dealing with Kyle Whittingham, who loves to keep things close to the vest and just not a lot of leaks out about the Utah football program. Even something about like Cam Rising's uh, missing the Florida game. We look back to that and we didn't find out a day before because Kyle had said like, oh, right. You'll right up before kickoff is when we'll probably make the determination. Then Bryson Barnes steps to the podium after the game and says, oh, yeah, I've known for a week and a half I'd be starting. That's like this is what we're dealing with is they do a good job putting up the charade to try to confuse teams. Now, I will say Cam is making progress. He's been practicing fully. Kyle Whittingham has said as much. There's no restrictions there, but they are waiting on the go aheads from the doctors to have him be full go. That is what he said last week. He did not speak to it really in his opening press conference this week, which maybe in some ways by him being more tight lipped, maybe that's an indication he's going to play but it's just so hard to read and kind of predict what's going to happen here because it just in general i thought i pretty much every game of the season i thought that cab was going to come back for with the exception of that being weber state and even some people thought like well maybe he comes back for like a series against weber state and treats it like an nfl preseason game which a lot more nfl teams probably should have played in the preseason but that's a conversation for our nfl lockdown channels but going back to cam rising I just don't know. I, I think he's got a chance to play this week. I really does. This could have been the plan all along. Save him for Pac-12 play. Maybe if things were bad enough, he needs to get in there. Like, could he play, like, if this was a Pac-12 championship game? That's what we just don't know because we're not there. But there was a report by Josh Newman of KSL.com who said that Cam Rising, there was optimism in the building that Cam Rising might be able to play this week. So that is all we have to go on right now. And it's going to be interesting to monitor. I, but I will say this, Spencer, I think Utah can and still will win this game, even if Cam Rising does not play. Well, I think it, it is certainly <laughs> more likely to be in that sense. But the line is like four and a half, five points yeah. right now. And I think that's a line that is set without Cam Rising there. I think it's closer to seven or eight if, if Rising is the quarterback for the Utes. But I mean, not just with this game, like UCLA is a good, I don't think great, some people do, but UCLA is a good team. And here's the other concern that I'd have going into this week, if you tell me Cam Rising isn't there, or even if he's you know there and not able to move very much, UCLA's front four is gnarly. 
Like Lyatu Latu on on PFF is like one of the five highest graded edge players in the country. Their front four in general through the first three weeks, they haven't been playing great competition, sure. Though a couple of respectable G5 teams in Coastal Carolina and San Diego State, they've won big in those games. That front four looks physical and they look fast. And if you tell me Cam Rising can't move as much or you have Nate Johnson or Bryson Barnes back there, that certainly gives me pause. I would, I mean, if this game were in Los Angeles and you had no Cam Rising, I, I'd pick UCLA every day of the week. But this game is in Salt Lake City. That's a big edge for the Utes. We know how good they are at home in front of their fans. They're a defensively led team, so they just need the offense to do enough. But going beyond this game, I, I don't see a world in which Cam Rising is, you know, in and out or playing, not playing week after week in this conference right now and the Utes getting back to the Pac-12 title game. I think he has to return for them to do that because Nate Johnson and Bryson Barnes, they've gotten it done through the first three weeks, but it's going to get a lot tougher from here on out. Yeah, Nate had his best game overall as a Ute. The most impressive thing Nate has ever done with Utah is lead them on that touchdown drive against Baylor. So we saw him in his first full start and he looked very good. It was against Weber State, though, and this is, you mentioned, that front four that the Bruins have. This is a huge step up dealing with this UCLA team that has been really strong to start the season, so it's going to be a tough task for him. But, look, Utah defensively led team. I thought you laid that out perfectly. And true freshman and Dante Moore starting, I think, is why Utah is going to be favored in this one, being at home with the defense and all of that. But then it changes a little bit where you get Nate Johnson, who's a redshirt freshman, starting what would be his third-ever game and he would be doing it against Oregon State if we look ahead to the next week. And it's on a short week because it'll be a Friday night game. That's when I will be really concerned if Cam Rising is not there. So let's say Cam doesn't come back until there's the bye, then there's the Cal game. I, it Cal's at home for Utah. I don't think they need Cam Rising. No, they field, don't. Unfortunately. But in order to then, Utah made the Pac-12 championship game with two losses last year. And let's say Cam Cam's, comes back after that. He comes back. So he's back for USC, Oregon, and Washington. And that's not, and Colorado comes later in the season too, but just the first, those first are the true like top 10 contenders, right? Top three teams that are in the top 10 of just contenders right now in general. You can only lose one of those games. That's going to be a really daunting task, in my opinion, and something that I just think it would be nice for Utah if they could be undefeated going into that slate of games because even if you go one and two everything for you is still on the table in terms of you making the pac-12 championship because spencer mclaughlin as you know the pac-12 loves to cannibalize itself <laughs> yes utah, it is an yeah. annual tradition it is <laughs> unlike <laughs> in order any for other them, yeah in order for utah to <laughs> make it back to the pac-12 championship game they absolutely have to get cam rising back honestly in some ways it does feel like before the oregon state game even because like i said then it's like you were left with almost no margin for error after that because even two losses after your bye will pretty much sink your season because of how good the conference is this year. Yeah, at Washington, at Oregon State, at USC, hosting Oregon and Colorado. Mm -hmm. I, I, you just, you know, three and two is a good stretch if you have Cam Rising yes. in, in those five games. Four and one is outstanding. Probably, I think, the ceiling given how good the conference is there. But without Cam Rising, gosh, I mean, one and four – if he doesn't play in any of those games, one and four can be in play. Because I've, you know, had this take since before the season began, and I have not wavered in the best quarterback conference in the country. If you don't have competent or probably really you need at least above average to high level quarterback play, I think you're just at such a disadvantage week in and week out. And, you know, Nate Johnson, Bryson Barnes, either one of them in there, I mean, at best, they're what, not ninth in the conference? Like on their on their best day, maybe they're better than Sam Jackson at Cal. Like bottom two is uh, you know the the Stanford and 
uh, Arizona State quarterback situation. So there's 12 and 11. Sam Jackson has not been refined, but he's had some good moments. But then Ben Finley's in. So, but 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 regardless, it's bottom third, and I I just struggle to see how you know as good as Utah's defense is against the Washingtons, Oregon's, USC's the world. How you you can't keep up offensively? You won't be able to. And as good as Nate Johnson's been, he he actually has the top fifty like QBR right now for college quarterbacks. All right, let's. All, I, I, no, I guess I'm not going to get into it because <laughs> I really like Nate. I think he's got a really good skill set. He's one of the most athletic. He might actually be the fastest player on this team. Like that's how athletic Nate Johnson is. We've seen him embarrass SEC defenses now. Uh, do things against Baylor, a Baylor defense that's still going to be pretty stout this season, I believe overall. But look, the Kyle Whittingham even said. They're only operating at 50% offensive capacity compared to what they would be doing if Cam Rising was in versus they've only opened it up that 50% for Nate Johnson so far. He's getting comfortable. He's getting better, but getting better enough to, if, especially if the defense is giving up yards to what could be some of the best offenses in college football to match them up and down the field. That's just hard for me to see in a guy who's in his first year starting. And I, once again, I really like Nate Johnson, but you mentioned it when you have that much established talent in the conference guys who have proven at the college level they can execute at a high level in tough environments we have not seen nate johnson do that for the entirety of the game yet he had a really good final drive against baylor but even that one the bears kind of shifted their defense they were playing prevent a little bit utah receivers were a little more open and once again i really like nate but as you said spencer this quarterback talent is is just an on another level utah needs to get cam rising back if they want to have a chance to accomplish all the goals that were on the board for them to begin the season and that are currently there because they are somehow three and zero without cam rising which yep. is the best case scenario and this is where they need him over this next couple stretches of games now more than ever yeah i i, I agree and I, I think it's just such a really really good quarterback league with so many great offenses and so many great weapons you're just not going to be able to win a slugfest every week at some point you're going to need a 43 42 win over usc like they had last year at, uh, at at Rice Eccles. The game of the week this week in the Pac-12, uh, in my view, is Oregon State and Washington State because there are things in play that go beyond football. Bird dog shorts go beyond just being shorts because they're good for literally any occasion. JT knows this. He's got a pair. I've got a pair. Guess what? You can take them anywhere. They can be uh, they can be a swimsuit. They can be golf shorts. They can be hiking shorts. They can be hang around shorts. You can do anything you want. Their stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, except they you know fit way better, which uh, is way better, of course. And that's what you're going for. They fit better than regular shorts as well that are often made of a stiff, restricting cotton. So go get your next order of bird dogs at birddogs.com slash locked on college or enter promo code locked on college at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free water bottle at checkout or enter that promo code locked on college. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Everybody see that? 
Everybody see my man JT? Plug in the bird dogs. Look at the hat. Look at the hat. Put it back up on YouTube. Put it back up one more time. Look at that. Mmm. Mmm. Quality, quality stuff. You know what else is quality? Segments, second segment sips out of the ad reads into uh, what is now the meat of the show. Quickly, though, I just wanted to address this because I'd been getting more than just a couple uh, comments about it that uh, Drake over at Locked On Big 12 had been talking or has been talking about uh, Washington State and Oregon State joining the Big 12. Every day or know, I've long been a proponent of Oregon State and Washington State getting into a power conference. They are worthy of being there on the football field, and we are going to see just that this Saturday. At this point in time, that has not actually been reported. That move is not happening. I would very much like it to. I have not heard anything that indicates it's taking place. I hope that it happens one day. But this game, JT is going to be an awesome football game. Martin Stadium is going to be live. It is going to be loud. And there are just going to be so many things. There are so many great matchups. I talked about a lot of them on yesterday's show to watch in this football game. And look, if if not for now, I would love for it to be now. I just haven't heard anything to indicate as much. But if the Big 12 is watching this game, I certainly hope they are because I think they're going to tune in and see two really good, power-capable football programs. Two powerful, two so well-coached guys who have just really built prominent programs that deserve to be in what will now be the Power Four, of course, and two really exciting quarterbacks. I think DJU has a fascinating story. So does Cam Ward as well. I'm really looking forward to seeing those guys go at it, and uh, there would be nothing better than watching these two teams playing like a thrilling, I think somewhere in between like the high 20s, low 30s, kind of like where you show you're, you're good defensively, but then also show you can put up those points too. just deliver a really entertaining game. I, I think would be fun if there was any like last ditch effort or hope for them to be able to get into those power conferences. Something I'm totally with you on, Spencer. I want to see happen desperately because they deserve to be at that level. They proved it just beating Wisconsin. We know Oregon State's going to notch some huge wins throughout the Pac-12, probably some against teams that are going to go into what most believe is the second best conference in the Big Ten this coming season too. So I, I'm really excited to watch this game and I think it's going to be an awesome matchup between two of the still best teams in college football I think both these teams are top 20 teams regardless of which one exits with a loss yeah I I don't think either team should fall out of the top 25 I think Washington State would be more likely to if 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 they lost just because they they maybe don't have uh they don't have the ingrained support of a preseason top 25 ranking but that Wisconsin win I I know that's what I think like if you're three and one with a loss granted at home but a close loss to Oregon State. Now, if they get trounced, yeah. okay, I could see it because we don't really know what Wisconsin is right now. But they were in control in that game against Wisconsin. If you lose a 50-50 game here to Oregon State, I think they should absolutely remain in, in the top 25. That's certainly where uh, where I would vote them. But I think there are a lot of fun matchups in this one. Jake Dickert against DJ Uyunglele. How does he make them uncomfortable? The two great edge rushers for Washington State against that outstanding Oregon State offensive line, which I think is the best in in the Pac-12. The way that Cam Ward plays against the Oregon State secondary. like th- Those are just a couple of the matchups that you bring up. Uh, and those aren't even necessarily individual one-on-one matchups. You know, How do you try and slow down uh, Anthony Gould or, or Silas Bolden for, for the Beavs if you're Washington State? I, I think that's going to be uh, a really, really fun thing to watch. You know what else is fun, JT? 
the mailbag. The mailbag is fun. I, I love a good mailbag. Uh, mailbag is always open. YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore pack 12. DMs and mentions always wide open for you fine people who I appreciate supporting the show. This one from Justin. If Wazoo's offense plays well and the Cougs win, is Ben Arbuckle in conversation as one of the top offensive coordinators in the pack? This is an underrated kind of question and storyline here that, frankly, I hadn't even been thinking about until this question came in. But his early returns, JT, have been really, really good. I mean, Cam Ward has been efficient. He Mm -hmm. has been productive. The offense has been good. From what I've watched of Washington State this year, they've been able to run the ball when, when they need to, and it doesn't need to be a focal point, right? That's another key for Washington State offensively in this game is can you avoid being one-dimensional? Because if you're one-dimensional against Trent Bray, yeah. I don't care what you got up your sleeves. I, I think Bray is going to you know, take your lunch money there. But if, if Arbuckle goes out in this game, I think his name will certainly be bolstered, at least on, mm-hmm. on this program. But I think elsewhere, if he goes and puts up you know, 35, 38 points against this Oregon State defense, which for the last couple of years has been one of the best in the conference, yeah, that would be a heck of a statement. That said... That's going to be a real challenge because even though they lost some personnel from last year, Oregon State still looks good defensively. I, I just don't love putting so much stock into one game. Like just off one performance, you're automatically in that conversation for the best. But I definitely think if he could stay on the trend that this Cougars offense is on right now, absolutely can be in that by the end of the season because they are off to this really hot start. And he has Cam Ward and credit Cam Ward for this as well. This is how a lot of people wanted to see from Cam Ward last year when he was mentioned as a sleeper 2023 NFL draft guy. There were some people talking about him going into Mm -hmm. last season in that regard. When I watched him against Wisconsin, I saw that guy. And I think a lot of the credit you have to give to the Washington State staff for what they've gotten out of him as well. So I definitely think a, a strong showing here in their first like well, obviously outside of the Wisconsin game, but just another big test coming up here. The first big Pac-12 test, I will say, is this is a great opportunity for him to continue to elevate his name into that conversation. And also just once again, a huge one for Cam Ward. The 2024 QB class is loaded with talent. And I think if Cam Ward continues to ball out, this could be this year's like Jordan Love, for example. Someone trades up for late and eventually maybe gets his opportunity at the next level. Yeah, maybe not a first-round pick, but someone who yes. yeah, good point. Um, I, I think you maybe take like a, a mid to late-round flyer on. Uh, I mean, certainly he's got the size. I think he's got a good enough arm. He's got mobility and he's got, you know, that kind of playmaking it quality uh, to him. That's a bit more of an offseason topic, so we won't dive into it in full. But I I did have this thought and I wanted to pose this question to you, JT. As you look at this Cougs and Beavs matchup Saturday, which is, I think, four, I think, 3.30 Pacific time on FS1. I'd have to double check that uh, real quick. But if I asked you right now, I don't think it's fair to compare because of the different styles of these offenses, um, the exact numbers. But if I told you right now, who plays better on Saturday, DJ Uyunglele or Cam Ward, guys who at their peak have looked like early to mid-round NFL talents and at their bottom have looked like they get benched. In DJU's case or Cam Ward's case, he can be a turnover machine. Who do you think plays better on Saturday? I think this is going to be a really good quarterback duel. I think both of them are going to play well. It's not going to be to the level of what Caleb Williams versus Cam Rising at at Utah was in that first meeting last year, but I think it'll be a little bit... That was a fun. I think it'll be a little bit lesser of a version that, like, I'm not expecting one of the tight ends to do what Dalton Kincaid last year and break a tight end record, but as much as I was just abusive in my praise of uh, Cam Ward, I am an actually take DJU. I'm just a huge believer in what he... And just him as a player in general, I just... 
we've talked about this on your show before, Spencer, but I just felt like so much of the blame of the Clemson issues last year were thrown at his feet so unfairly. And now you're seeing right away what the quality player he can be when he's surrounded and put into the right situation as well. So I think DJU is going to barely outplay Cam Ward in this one. I think both will make accurate throws. I think both will make wild plays. I think the Fox College football account, which is very well run, does a good job putting up lots of highlights. I think we're going to see a lot of highlights from both these quarterbacks in these matchups. But I think DJU makes that one extra play in this one to help his team get the win. I think that the key for DJ is settling in on the road because in the moments at Clemson, now we're seeing that uh, the Clemson offense under Dabo Sweeney has certainly taken a number of steps backwards uh, since he has left and it was not all him. In those moments, was that? Garrett Riley can't even save it right now. Yeah, I mean, that's ugly because we know Garrett Riley is really, really good. Not, Not fun times at Clemson right now. But in the moments where DJU struggled and where he did get benched, I think he looked very statue-like in the pocket. And I think that's a function of locking onto one receiver and not being comfortable, not going through your progressions and letting, you know, a tough road environment get to you or, or just having the moment be too big. And I think those Washington State fans, we know that they're rabid. They're passionate. They're awesome. They're absolutely great. You'll have nothing but support of Washington State fans from me here on this show ever. Let it be known. Those are not G5 fans up there. Those are Power 5 football fans. But I think that's the biggest thing is how can he settle in and get to where he's been through the first three games? Because this is by far the toughest opponent that that he's played in 2023. On the road against a good defense with a good defensive coach, a 3-0 football team. That is a far cry from San Jose State, UC Davis, and and a pretty weak San Diego State team in uh, my in, in my view. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think when you just look at that's what's always hard. This is what I've, like you said, locked on Utes. This is where it's been hard for me a little bit evaluating Dante Moore leading up to Utah's game against UCLA is the difference in competition. Yeah, we right? don't really, like, it's like, I just yeah, want to yeah. see him against this is such a jump up from Coastal Carolina, even at home, like in Utah's house with this elite defense. Like it's the same thing here where Washington State and Oregon State both are so stout defensively. It, it's been, like I said, I like both these quarterbacks. I think they're going to both play well. But if you told me they, they didn't, I'd be like, well, in some ways you could look back. It, was the it wouldn't surprise me because you have two good defenses and exactly. two defensive co- defensive coordinators honey- and coaches. The honeymoon phase the last few weeks, but in terms of the that's right. played overall, now it gets really real, and now you're really going to get tested, and we'll see how that relationship stands the test of time in this case. Yeah, I like the honeymoon phase comparison. I also like Jace Medical because uh, they've got the Jace case with five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is fill out a simple online form and in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. You don't want to be caught unprepared in today's world. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. Jace handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. So if you're having a moment of pain, you don't want to go to the doctor's office, lines could be too long, have something available for yourself with the Jace case. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using my code LOCKEDON at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Use that code LOCKEDON for an additional $20 off. All right, so I liked what you said, just putting a bow on this Oregon State-Washington State discussion, JT, that, you know, it's kind of been the honeymoon phase for for DJU, which I I, I assume everyone is uh, familiar with as a term at this point in time. But now you have a couple of kids, and the kids are causing problems, and one's crying in the middle of the night, so you have to wake up. 
And suddenly you have to go handle that and then be in a good mood the next day and try to continue to make time for each other and other marriage cliches that I could work into this drawn out analogy here. This is the time where DJU really has to show Oregon State fans, hey, I am the player that you thought I could be when I came over here to Oregon State in the transfer portal. These are the sorts of games that Oregon State, like at Washington last year, for instance, if DJU is there in that game, they win. And this is a game where you could sit, look back and say, hey, if they had Bengal Branson playing instead of DJ Uyunglele, guess what? Uh, they would not have won the game. I think this is the first, I mean, this is a big opportunity for Oregon State and Washington State both, of course. But individually, I, I think for DJ Uyunglele, it's the biggest individual player's chance to really show the fan base something. It really is, and I, I think I'll throw one last uh, little thing in that analogy you're pulling off. This is the kind of game, too, where you get the really big parent, like one of your kids did something on their yards, and then they're going to be charging at you with those elite defensive <laughs> linemen on the other side of this upcoming contest. But, yeah, I think people like who want to see – like you and I want to see DJU succeed. We want to see all these teams succeed. We're fans of the Pac-12 Conference, but this is the game where it's like people are going to be channel surfing, like, oh, DJU's at Clemson. He was – or now he's at um, excuse me, Oregon State. Oh, he was bad at Clemson last year. How's he? And then, oh, man, he looks good now. Like to do it against an opponent of this caliber to show that you are can be an elite starting power five caliber quarterback i think he can be that he was that a lot at times at clemson but once again his name just got really dragged in the mud at times because of the issues that program had and this is a great opportunity for him it's a really exciting opportunity for cam ward too i'm very excited to watch these guys go at it and i think these teams these programs to tie the entire conversation together it's just a great advertisement for why they sh their game should be on a network like fox because they are that caliber that level Building a college football program that is worthy of being at the Power 5 level from where these teams came from should be something that's celebrated, and they should be able to stay at that level if they have built themselves into that, which these two programs absolutely have, and they deserve to be on this level, and I hope they deliver a great product that it's all complicated with media rights stuff and everything, but somehow, some way, I still hope they find a way into the future of college football at the top level. Yeah, and it's just a testament to the unfortunate reality that Having a successful football program, which is what we care about the most as a country, is not going to do everything for you. Because guess what? Arizona is looking for their first season over 500 since I'd have to go back a little bit. But I think it's like 2018. Uh, maybe Rutgers, I could double. Rutgers Big Ten money, anyone? <laughs> I mean, Rutgers, Indiana. I mean, but I mean, just look at the pack. ASU's found a home. ASU is a mess right now. Oregon State and Washington State together, no home. Arizona, Arizona State have a home. How does that make sense? Anyway, so I don't well, want to get too caught really off on that. Sense. I'll even say this. If you flip like Utah and Oregon State's recent success, I think Oregon State's probably one that gets the invite. I know the Utah poll of the BYU rivalry and everything, but uh, no, I don't think geograph I don't think geographically they would have they would have gone for that. I think Utah I just, they wanted Utah and Colorado back, together. Back Pac twelve champion out. That's the one thing I'd say. But you're also right. It, but going well, back to also what you said, kind of it's things outside of football. So you might yeah, be right. it's things that go that go that go beyond football. So um, and, and speaking of ASU, by the way, another mailbag question came in. Uh, this one from Tyler who asked about. The teams that have the most to worry about in, in Pac-12 conference plays, it begins. Because as we've been talking about, this is the deepest conference in America. This is a gauntlet for everybody. Arizona plays Stanford this week, for instance. Go look at their schedule after they play Stanford. It's it, it's going to be tough. And I thought that before the season. I think they'll rebound at the end of the year. Um, but Arizona literally after this week will be looking for just any singular win. 
in the next five games and they'll be on an upward trajectory because it's going to be really, really tough for, for the Wildcats there. But I think Arizona is solid. I look at the bottom of the conference right now and it's Stanford and Arizona State. And and boy, they look about as bad as you could. Like I thought before the year, ASU would win one conference game and I thought Stanford would win zero. I had that one conference win being against Colorado at home. That's not going to happen. So... I see a world in which we have two winless Pac-12 conference teams, which is crazy because that is something, I don't even know the last time that that happened, but I mean, the way it's all set up for that to take place because you've got quarterback turmoil at Arizona State. You have a massive roster deficiency at Stanford in which you're playing on the same level as FCS schools at home and losing those games. And they weren't a big favorite to begin with. The league is so good. It is so deep. I'd be most worried about those two. Cal was uninspiring against Idaho. They had a 31-point uh, run in that game, but that was after they went down 17-0, again, to a good FCS program. But it's still an FCS program. Like, that just shouldn't happen. It, it just should not. Shout out Big Sky. I, I, yeah, indeed. Shout out to Big Sky, uh, which has been a thorn in the side for the Pac-12 for a few years now. But I look at ASU and Stanford, and I can legitimately see a world in which neither one wins a conference game. I can as well. Arizona was literally trending for like how difficult their schedule is going to be. I've seen screenshots mm-hmm. of people being like, congrats to Arizona because you're not going to win a lot of the season going forward. Like that has been a, a thing and a, and a notion out there. And it's not like because Arizona's program is a complete disaster. It's because of the teams they have to face. And that is the tough part about the Pac-12 being at the level it's at right now. Now we saw them last year go nab and upset late in the year against UCLA. So maybe they will be able to do that at some point throughout the season. But they're not going to be favored in any of those games. So they absolutely could go winless um, to your point in, in that regard too. And then looking at, and I know you mentioned that was even just Arizona. It's not even getting into the Arizona States and the Stanford. Like the first thing I pull up with Arizona State is it's like, well, maybe you think like if, if they just, it's their day, they could beat Cal, but that game is at Cal. So of course I'm going to favor And Cal's Cal. a better football team. They're absolutely, that's why Cal should be favored. To my yes. point, is exactly what I And they said. will so, be favored. And yeah, I think they'll win. And outside of that, you look at the rest of the games this season. I mean, Colorado, Washington, Washington State, Utah, UCLA, Oregon. Like what? Like where? And then same thing with Stanford. I mean, it's just the, that's the hard part about yeah, I mean, building they, a program yeah. that had been in the dark for a while is you really have to start from the ground up. And that takes time because you can't even pull like what a Deion. You're just not at the level that you can pull no. what a Deion Sanders. That's not a, like a Lincoln Riley has done. So that's yeah, not a I quick flip so. at Stanford. That is a long build like what Jonathan Smith did at Oregon State. On Arizona, though, I, I think Arizona is a solid football team. I have them going 7-5 and five this year. I haven't wavered off that prediction. They've looked exactly how I thought they would so far. I think they'll beat Stanford pretty comfortably on the road this week. They're like a 12.5-point favorite. I won't be surprised if Arizona is able to pull an upset of one of the five contenders in, in, in this tough stretch. ASU, I just, man, they look bad. I mean, they, they look... It's a rebuild year. It's just a complete, it's a throw the film away, doesn't matter. It's a rebuild year for Arizona State. They couldn't make a bowl game anyway. I don't think they're going to, um, or I didn't think they were going to before the season. I definitely don't think they will now. And I I, I think that for for Arizona, like getting to 500 and getting to a bowl game would be good and is feasible, but it's going to be tough. And they're going to have to beat, you know, one of those teams at Utah and Oregon State. Uh, They don't play Oregon uh, this year, but like they're going to have to beat somebody uh and and now they go to boulder and that looks like a much tougher game than it did in in the preseason so it, it's it's just going to be hard but it's going to be hard for everybody 
Can I just say shout out Arizona State because without them beating Washington last year, Utah doesn't get to go back to the Rose, <laughs> even though they lost Utah lost the Rose Bowl. It's just fun to play in the Rose Bowl. So I, that's I appreciate true. the Sun Devils for doing that. And uh, that's, yeah, that's, I, I, that's I, true. I, I think you said both those programs, it's just going to be really tough. But I, I know you're high on the Wildcats, but even I'm looking over the schedule again, Spencer, and you're telling me four wins, like, like four wins is guaranteed, I feel like. But man, they have to notch three upsets against top 20 teams almost to, to get to that seven win mark. It's just, it's not like they're incapable. Coming. No, it's just really, doing that. It's tough it's to just beat hard. three top 20 teams. That's yeah, the, I think that... even like when, if Washington state drops out of the top 25, like that's one of those ones where I'm like, no, 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 they belong in the top 25. Their schedule is just that difficult where they've lost these other games. It's like a UC, UCLA never dropped out of the top 25, but they were better. I thought than their record indicated because of the quality of the opponents they had to play over that season. When there are other teams that were maybe ranked higher than them, where I'm like, no, no, no. They wouldn't have even fared as close to as well as the Bruins did last year in that same schedule. But that's the way things work out that well that way overall. And uh, yeah, but Coach Fish does have that program in a good position. So maybe they will still be able to get to that seven win mark. But I'm with you on Arizona State and Stanford. And I still think things are going to, well, Stanford, it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel, at least right now. But for Arizona State, I I think getting Rashad on the field early is something you can at least be encouraged about and that eventually, you know. Yeah, but then he got hurt and now he's not playing for a little while and it's all all bummer, but I'm going to let the show end there. My man JT brought the curtain down with that end of show rant. JT Wistersill locked on Utes at JT Wistersill on Twitter. JT, my man, thanks as always. Always fun. Thanks, Spencer. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. And until then, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.